Once upon a time, the MCU as we know it was something far different. It was a goldmine of science. We turned the superpowered versions of Howard Hughes and Walt Disney to heroes. We wanted to be the ones who could build it in a cave with a box of scraps. Like Tony said years later, knowing there's something out there is one thing. But to this extent, the levels of good and evil at a constant battle, that's something different. We were first introduced to the concept of gods and aliens in the post credit scene of Iron Man 2, Thor's hammer stuck in the New Mexican desert. From there, we found the Chitari, the Guardians of the Galaxy, a man planet celestials under the Earth, and Thanos. They didn't quite nail the tone, a little overly Shakespearean, but what else do you expect with a historical fiction buff like Kenneth Branagh? And our bad guys weren't quite as epic as we'd soon see. But with 2011's Thor, we're finally entered into a world beyond reality. The MCU is no longer a science fiction. It's an amazing fantasy. We are back this week for Thor. Thanks for listening to the Wrong Opinion MCU Rewatch. We're back here with BJ. Last time we heard him, he was talking about Iron Man, the first MCU movie. Now he's on with the first MCU movie that takes place partly in space. A big change for the MCU going from the, the techie, the sciencey, the grounded into the otherworldly and the godly. BJ, what do you think of Thor? Quick thoughts on Thor. It's a very uh, unbalanced movie. There are some parts that are really, really good and uh, some parts that are like, this is a great movie to watch on an airplane. <laughs> so, airplane yeah, movie. I will talk more about that later. But yeah, that's my general feeling is like overall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said at the top, uh, the it's it's like so it's a very Kenneth Branagh movie more than an MCU movie. It's very Shakespearean and they're very classy in the way they speak. And then they've got Jane and Darcy that kind of ground it more. So it's an enjoyable movie, not you know the top tier of the MCU, but definitely a movie that if it's on an airplane, I'll enjoy that. Let's hop into awards. First award of the night, who are you giving out? Oh, let's do um let's do the I am Iron Man award for best single line. Okay. You want to start that or me? You start it up. Okay. Uh so I've got uh well it's actually two lines. A little bit of cheating. Uh but I've got Odin saying, You are a vain, greedy, cruel boy. And then Thor saying You are an old man and a fool. I put that as it was my runner up. I've shouted that at my father since I was like 14 years old. Highly influential line in my life. We're talking influence in my life personally. That is a top tier MC line. You are an old man and a fool. Yeah, this does seem like a Jake Clark, Brad Clark discussion. Yeah, it does. I had I had that, but the number one was a wise king never seeks out war, but he always must be ready for it. That totally encapsulates the character and his, his, his arc perfectly how he's seeking out war in this movie and then eventually becomes this you know space pirate nomad looking for love and saving people i think you get a little bit of uh of odin in that in his kind of personality by the way like anthony hawkins is just like amazing in this movie yes um but you see him like with a little smirk like uh oh don't love war but but i love war me like 10 years ago yeah or five thousand years ago 
Yeah, they have like the same character arc, Odin and Thor, and like Thor or Odin was the same way Thor was taken at war, and Odin's being a good dad and hoping he uh, can learn his lesson sooner or earlier in life. I'm going to give out the award for, let's do the Eternals Award. Could this have been a limited series? I think it almost might have been better. This movie is all about character development, and that's easier in a long-form uh, limited series compared to a movie. Uh, it also has drastically different settings, different like locales every single scene. So it'd be, it'd be kind of cool to see like a different episode be a totally different setting. One's in space, one's in New Mexico. You agree? Uh, partially, I think that it would have to be pretty different. Um, you know, I think it would have been a pretty interesting way to explore a secret identity, which they is just kind of a reference in in this movie in in all of the movies. Um, so that would be kind of cool where he actually kind of takes on the, the persona of, uh, uh, what's Blake Donald Donaldson, Blake. Donald, Donald Blake, Blake Donaldson, Donald Blake, my brain, it's a newborn brain. Um, so yeah, um, I think that would be interesting. Um, I think sometimes like series can only go so far when you do things like a character loses his powers. Um, I'm thinking of, uh, like uh chuck when he loses the intersect uh for a while like for a couple episodes that's that's okay but then like you want to get back to the fun stuff so if you're talking a limited series the first you know two episodes three episodes and then ending with the the last one or two having him have his powers back i think it would totally work as a limited series okay Okay. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. I I just think it would take some um Yeah, you'd have to change the plot a little some bit. change. Yeah. Maybe spend more time in the beginning in Asgard. All right, next award. Okay, I'm gonna go uh Ragnarok Award for characters cinematic peak. Um and I actually have three three here. Um okay. so I'll I'll do my first one and then I'll let you do yours and I'll I'll do my honorable mentions. Um, so I've got Eric Selvig as the the character's cinematic peak. Um, I think after Loki took over his mind, um, he kind of went downhill as a character, tried to do some like comedic stuff in Dark World, and it's just I, I didn't like him after this. So um, also a lot of nakedness from a reasonably pudgy character after this movie. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think this this is peak. All right, we're gonna hit the button. Wrong opinion. Definitely not Selvig. He peaks. I he, I think this is his worst outing. Like he's kind of a dry character. Like he tries, but he is funny. He's funny in the Dark World. That's one of the highlights of the Dark World. And he's in Avengers. Less he gets less screen time, but in the short bit he's in, I think he's I think he's a way more interesting character in that movie. Even though he's brainwashed half the time, I think here he's stale. He doesn't really say much. He's only really exists to be the guy who's uh, pushing Jane away from Thor. Just one of those classic characters, like side characters. He's he's a side character in this one, and he gets the most screen time in this one compared to any other movie. And he's it's his biggest sidestep role. So I disagree. I say Jane, totally Jane. Uh, Thor peaks later when he's funny. Loki's way more exciting and interesting when he's straight up evil, and then when he comes back and tries to be good versus this one where it's like, hey, you little stinky little stinky little bugger. Uh, Heimdall is real stale in this movie. That's those I put that in my extra notes. Like Idris Elba was wasted in this movie. Um, 
Darcy steals the show in WandaVision, so she peeks there. But Jane is like all of us. She's ex- excited at the thoughts of aliens and gods and other worlds. Natalie Portman is so good in this movie. She legitimately could have gotten an Oscar nomination if action movies actually mattered for the Oscars. She was so good. I, I haven't seen a movie I liked her more than this one. So I say her, maybe just Natalie Portman, not even Jane. Wow. You think this is her best movie? I think this is her best movie. Like just acting wise, I don't know about her best movie, but just I, this is her best performance. Button. Oh, what do you say is her best best performance in a movie? She's been in a lot of good movies. She's been in a lot of good movies. This isn't her best movie, but this is her best She's performance been good in a in movie. A lot of movies. This was her acting peak. She's always good. She's a good actress. She's just best here. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah it's the right opinion. Anyway, sorry. Who anyway, are your honorable okay. mentions then? So, um, Odin. Uh, I think like Anthony Hopkins crushed it as Odin, especially as like the the like sad. I have to banish my son, Odin. Like he just did so good in this movie. Uh, Lady Sif, also, mm. feel like a peak. Uh, which is really sad. all the 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 whole the Warriors Three and Lady Sif. They all peak in this movie. Yeah, it's kind of like between this and the next movie. Um, you know, because they they weren't like super great, didn't do super great critically. They kind of like eliminated these characters. Um, killed them off without even caring. yeah, basically by killing them off at the beginning of the movie, in the next movie. But um, yeah, Lady Sif was good in this, and it, it just would have been more fun to explore that later on. But yeah, that's I think that's fair. When you make mediocre movies. I think Sif and Odin both both peak in this movie. Probably Coulson peaks. This is he gets the most screen time in this, but he's just way funnier and more important in Avengers. So not Coulson. I take that back. Sif, Odin, and definitely Jane. Definitely not Eric Selvig. That was the wrong opinion. I'm yep. gonna go with the Captain Marvel Award for the character that inexplicably didn't help save the world. So this is right after it's like same week probably a few days after Iron Man 2. Iron Man, Tony, no, he's got a relationship with Fury. He knows Coulson. And there's this giant technological freaky thing going on in New Mexico. Where, why, why don't they just give him a call? Like, they even say the freight. Like, hey, is that Tony Stark? So he, never, he never tells mm-hmm. me about anything. Why don't you call Tony and get some help? I don't understand that part. Yeah, I think that's it. Because all the other, like, Captain Marvel's not going to help out for some freaking robot in the desert. Um daredevil he's not what's he gonna do he didn't exist yet he, he probably i think he existed if he's okay like this is 2011 college. i guess yeah i might still be in law school i put the same person yeah. i put iron man too yeah that that question in these first couple movies is basically it's like one guy it's like one superhero yeah. so far in his defense, like the whole scene is pretty quick. So it's like as soon as you get to New Mexico from Los Angeles, Malibu. River, yeah, Malibu, um, then you know he's gone already. So maybe he was on his way. Maybe he maybe was. Tony showed yeah. up and then he was like, oh, everything's good. That would have been some a donuts. great post credit scene because I don't really like this post credit scene. Like, because. He wasn't brainwashed yet, so it kind of gets changed, like retconned in uh, in Avengers. Because for those who haven't rewatched the movie, then you failed at listening to this. 
but it's got Eric Selvig talking to Fury about the Tesseract, but then Loki's in his ear because he's got his mind control, but that doesn't happen until way later, so that didn't make any sense. But a good post-credit scene would have been Tony showing up and talking to Coulson and just having some funny thing happen there. And Europe. Okay, um, I'm going to put poorly aged CGI. Okay. Um, So actually... Well, it's it's funny. This movie is funny in so many ways. And I mentioned it's like imbalanced early on. And the CGI is that too. Like there's some CGI pieces that are really good. But the frost shrines kind of sucked, um, especially really? at the very beginning. Um, kind of the, the war, you know, when they're telling the story at the beginning. Yeah. And my, my theory is that they, they were hoping that like if you make it dark enough, like we wouldn't notice <laughs> how bad the CGI is. Okay. See, I watched it in a light room, so it looked even darker. So maybe I just didn't notice. I put that the frost giants even looked okay. I think the CGI was it was it was fine. I talked about that with Josh last week. This is like before they're stretching too far to make things look too cool. So the CGI always looked pretty good. It was mostly uh, practical. I don't know about mostly in this one, but a lot of practical effects. Um, I think the Bifrost was the only thing that looked funky. And I think I only put that because I need to write something. But the CGI in this movie pretty good. You're saying the frost giants and. You're right. It, they were always really, really dark. So that's probably what they did. Yeah. The scenes where you see the frost giants in more depth, they're fine. But like when when they're they're fighting at the beginning, I think it's like where you you notice it the most to me, at least. Uh, I'm gonna do the the Hawkeye Award for most unexpectedly uninspiring moment. I just think again, Natalie Portman is amazing. In this I think all of Jane's like reaching and stretching for the stars i thought that was inspiring like she's she's a passionate person and just seeing that passion on screen through an amazing actress she looks like an excited kid who learns she wants to learn more about the worlds and especially in a movie like this where it's like a world expanding movie um i thought that was kind of inspiring also just thor's biceps in this movie makes me want to work out you keep stealing my stuff uh we need to like share our notes beforehand but uh i said that like every time i watch this movie it just makes me want to go like pump some weights um (laughs) so that's the most unexpectedly unexpectedly inspiring moment is is uh chris hemsworth abs yeah the uh and his neck he's he's like built like a horse it's crazy like he's lean but he's also enormous i don't know how that works when i saw I, i signed up for a trainer like i started paying for a trainer after i saw love and thunder not so much that one inspired me so we got the Watiti Award for the funniest moment. Uh, I keep putting like when people get drunk and when the, the straight man gets drunk, um, but it's the same here. I think that like when, when Eric uh, gets torched and, and gets carried home by Thor. That he is drank, true. he fought, and made his ancestors proud. I almost put that for most inspiring moment. Made me want to go grab a beer. <laughs> Instead of instead of work out. Yeah, <laughs> this movie makes me either want to drink or work out. Uh, I put the, the entire extended scene of Thor learning how to walk among the humans. Like the another. That was classic. I think it's a pretty realistic version of a guy who knows. Like he's aware of the other worlds. So he's aware that these people act differently. But he doesn't really know their manners yet. He's not really even uncomfortable. He's just doing what he does. And people are like, who is this dude? Why is he asking for a horse at a pet shop? Um, I think just when you think about that even deeper, it gets funnier and funnier. 
And I'm going to pick the, I'm going to answer some questions that don't need to be asked. So do you think Jane dumped Thor because he started talking more like, like a human, less like a Shakespearean God and the sexy mystique was gone? I think the timeline works out. So I'm saying yes. That makes sense. She's, she's got a fetish. Yeah. And she, um, as soon as he started dressing as a hot dog for Halloween, she's like, oh, he's not the God I fell in love with. So my question that doesn't need to be asked was, well, I'm so curious about Heimdall in the ice the whole time. Um, he's in the ice. He's got his eyes open. Um, so my first question is, does that hurt? And yes, I think that hurts, even though he's blind. I don't really know yeah, if blind dude, people have feelings in their feeling in their eyes, but I was gonna ask that. That might be a really stupid question. Can blind <laughs> people feel pain in their eyes? I feel like that's a definite yes, right? I'm I'm guessing so, but I've never been stabbed in the eye and I've never stabbed a blind person in the eye. I've never been frozen in ice with my eyes open, so not an expert on the subject. The second question, and I'll I'll let you answer this, is when he's frozen and like you see him like screaming and it's cracking. Is he screaming the entire time? Like, is he screaming? <laughs> How long is he frozen like... for? It's like at least a day, right? It's like an, it's at least an Earth day. So it's probably a, a Asgard day. So he's just sitting there screaming at the top of his lungs, hoping it shatters the ice. That checks out. Makes sense. It's like godly lungs. Idris Elba. He's Idris pretty great. Elba. Got some pipes. Most frustrating MacGuffin. So the most obvious MacGuffin, I think would be the hammer i think that's kind of the point yeah i guess i didn't even um, think of it that way that is a mcguffin like it's a fair mcguffin i don't think it's a frustrating mcguffin but it is it's a MacGuffin. not it's not frustrating but i had a hard time thinking of the most frustrating mcguffin what would you call the most frustrating mcguffin i think this is a pretty obvious one it's a very classic mcguffin the the frost giants super freezing weapon it was built up to be this ultra powerful thing um, but I mean, they just didn't, it was just another plot device. Like if they had planned the infinity saga a few years earlier, cause they didn't really start planning it, I think until after Avengers or probably during Avengers, uh, it probably would have been replaced with something like the reality stone. And if that happened, the dark world never would have been made. So win, win. <laughs> well, I mean the, the, the post credit scene, um, kind of set up the, the infinity saga, right? Well, set up. Yeah. I guess the, even when they had the, the Tesseract and, um, Captain America, they didn't know he mean Infinity Stone. I don't think they knew until uh, until. Oh, so I guess it was probably in production that they figured that out. They started planning that out. I don't know. Yeah. I'm acting like I have inside well, knowledge. Well, okay. So so this movie was made by Paramount. Yeah. Um, and then Disney bought MCU in 2010. This movie came out in 2011. So I I bet that they had not much of an idea. And... Not while they were making it, so yeah, yeah, there's no chance that they could have used the Infinity Stone instead of the Frost Giant's little freezy blaster. Maybe the post-credit scene could have been because they probably did that right before Avengers came out. Thought it made sense. It's also amazing, like when you think of how quickly these movies, like the evolution of these movies, happens, and once once we get more into these, it's going to be crazy. After this, after Avengers, especially. Like, cause this comes out in 2011, and Ant Man comes out in 2015, which is just crazy. That is me. crazy how quickly it just sped up. Like Iron Man to Avengers is the same distance as what uh, Avengers until Civil War. 
That is crazy. Uh, let's see. We're going to go with the... We're going to pick some nits. Let's pick some nits. Easy knit to pick. Very cheesy writing. Like maybe it made sense back in 2011, but the Shakespearean language, it's so out of the, out of place in the MCU now. Especially like Avengers was funny. And then like uh, Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy, that made it like a really like, we're going to be funny in every single movie now. Like it, it just the writing was so out of place. There was few jokes. The Asgardians, they told like, they sometimes was try to be humorous, but it wasn't funny. Um, it was just like, hey, we're trying to be funny. So we know that this is a funny character. And Thor's almost like unlikable. Just not even like in a, he's a a-hole way. It's just like, a, I don't care about you. I'm talking like that. And why did he bleach his eyebrows? Why was that a thing? I, I put on my notes, uh, this movie would be 12% better if he didn't dye his eyebrows. Oh yeah, 100%. And his uh, beard. <laughs> like he's he's already blonde. Like How blonde do you what's want? The point? Come on. Still better than Incredible Hulk though, uh, screenplay wise. Uh, another nit to pick at the end. Why didn't Thor like just fly down and save Loki? Like he has to catch him and then, but he, your hammer flies, man. You can catch him in space. And that just made no sense. His death just didn't make any sense. But he uses the hammer for momentum. So can his hammer fly down? Yeah, the hammer can fly down and fly anywhere. It flies all, all over the place. I'm thinking of the physics here. I got a lot more nits. And I know this this is a little unfair because this is how it goes in the comics. But well, they're nits. You can, you can pick them. Loki's dad's name is Lofi. Laufi. Laufi. Loki. Laufi. Loki. Laufi. Loki. Seems obvious. How did he not know this before? He's basically named after his dad. I guess. Uh, this kind of well, like fun uh, fact though. Fun fact. So in actual Norse mythology, Laufi is a woman. It always confuses the actual Norse when Luffy is a man because that is a woman's name in uh, Norway. Interesting. I did not know that. Um, okay, why does the Asian have an Asian accent in Asgard? They have different accents. Why? I mean, why? There's other. There's still other regions and different planets. Oh, a different planet. Like not everybody from that planet's gonna have the same accent. But why does he have an Asian accent? There's other Asians. Do you remember in the Dark World? He's at, he's on his home planet, and there's other Asians. Doesn't make sense. No, you just forgot about that scene in the Dark World. Doesn't make Nit sense in Dark failed. World either. <laughs> there's other, there's other, they have other accents on other planets. Why is Gamora green? Why, why do they have Earth accents, though? There's not Earth accents. There's just other accents. There's only so many different accents the vocal cords can create. We just evolved the so. same way. Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Like if you look like this, you automatically have this age, this accent, no matter what <laughs> <laughs> what planet you're born on. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, okay, makes sense. Never mind. Knit erase. Uh, why does Thor get tased in all these movies? Um, I think, I think uh, the honest trailers movie. has something about that. It's like, why does the the God of Thunder keep getting electrocuted? I think it started off probably being like, this would be funny because he's the god of thunder. We'll electrocute him. And then it just kept happening because it kept being funny. So I never really thought about that, but he does get electrocuted a lot for a guy who can control lightning. You think he'd be able to like, like it's it's coursing through his veins. Like, uh... yeah. Well, so in this one, it makes sense that they would be tased. But like in Ragnarok, why is he getting tased? That doesn't make any yeah. sense. Must be a different frequency of lightning. 
Uh, yeah. So the eyebrows, um, I put that too. I think like this is a movie that if it was edited differently, it'd be much better of a movie. Um, like you talked about, like there's not a whole lot of comedy. Like you could easily edit this into a comedy <laughs> that fits in with the other Thor movies. It just like I don't know. The whole tone is different. It, it's not necessarily bad, but um, they definitely abandoned it for future movies. It's the uh, the Kenneth Branagh difference. Uh, I'm gonna go with the best and worst of exposition scenes. I think there are a lot of good exposition scenes in this movie. Uh, Hopkins, the beginning, that's an amazing, he's got a great voice over voice, and it makes sense. He's explaining the history of his people to his sons. Logical exposition scene. Uh, Thor logically explains the mix of magic and science from Asgard to Jane. She doesn't know what's going on. But the really smart exposition, it was having uh, Darcy as a political science major, because she's surrounded by all these scientific uh, physics minds. Um, so then they explain science terms to her when it's really for our benefit. So that was a nice, that was really smart of them to have that character among them. Yeah, I don't have any bad ones. I don't have any worst exposition scenes. Um, I put when Odin is introducing Thor and he's about to crown him king and he kind of describes how Mjolnir was made. Meow, meow. Um, See, I thought meow, that meow. was, that's the only one I put that was bad. I thought that was, that felt goofy and kind of forced. Really? Like, why is okay. he explaining Mjolnir to his people? Like, you know what it is. That's fair. I I mean, I appreciated it because I felt like it was a backstory we didn't need to go into. And it's like, okay, he's got this hammer. That's... See, I think just the best exposition scenes are the ones where they're explaining it to the characters. And it makes sense that they're explaining it to the characters instead of to us. And that's what most of these are. They're explaining stuff to characters. Well, that's why I'm not the film major. Uh, let's see. We got best fight. Best All fight. Right. I have a feeling we're gonna have the same one here, but um, when he's going after his hammer and he doesn't have any powers and he's just like blowing through all these these shield dudes and then he's fighting um, this big dude in the mud and the rain. Yeah, see, I, I mean, all of his all of his powerless fights. I guess it's really just that one, and then the the hospital. That's kind of a fight scene. That's great because yeah. we see truly is like a warrior and he's a smart tactician. I guess he's a good fighter more than just. His strength, like he's more than the god of hammers, and he's even more than the god of thunder. He's just a straight up god. I was gonna say, aside from Captain America, and you don't even see this with Captain America too much with the shield. Like you don't see a whole lot of hand to hand fighting um, with these these superheroes. I think you get yeah, a like, lot from Black... like between Avengers. There's a couple, and then all the way through, like uh, like probably Black Panther's the last one you really see. You don't really see that much anymore, though. Like. Shang Chi, you saw, but that movie sucked. Shang Chi, okay. uh, yeah, Black Panther was really good for the same way, but I just I I thought it was fun just see like ripped Thor, ripped Chris Hemsworth, get all muddy and wrestle around with dudes. Yeah, I so it's weird that I put two very different fights because that's the one you see where he doesn't have powers. But Thor and his friends versus the th- the Frost Giants at the beginning, I thought that was my favorite fight in the movie. It was probably the first time in like any superhero movie ever up to that point that we saw a hero with that level of power just wasting henchmen can you name another one like superman was the only cinematic hero up to then that had that kind of power and he didn't just slaughter bad guys like that like like thor did like normally you yeah. see like a superhero against a super strong bad guy and it's punch 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 you don't see him just yeah. like cutting him down and i thought that was that was cool to watch yeah i mean you see that in dawn of justice 
for Superman, but yeah, and that's several years later. Yeah. And when do you see that in Dawn of Justice? What is he? And the Snyder Cut. Oh. I haven't seen the Snyder Cut. All right, that is the couple best fight scenes. Let's just transition to worst fight scenes. I think this is a clear one. The destroyer fight, it wasn't even a fight. Like, it, it, I don't know. They made this ultra-powerful weapon, and then nobody can beat it. And then they do this thing where the destroyer is walking away, and then he, like, backhands Thor. And what's that supposed to be, scary or something? It was just silly. And then Thor, yeah. he summons a tornado to defeat it. That was just equally as silly. Uh, but the moment in between those where he's, you know, lying there and the hammer's coming crashing down, Jane's like, no, no, it's going to kill you. And then he catches it. That was cool. But everything surrounding that moment was lame. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it's not really a fight. You know, like, it's first it's unequally balanced towards the destroyer. And then, like, once Thor gets his powers, like, it's unequally balanced towards Thor. So it's not really a fight. And, yeah, the 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 backhand slap of Thor... It's kind of weird. Well, yeah, it was, I mean, the first time you th- see it, I, like it's one of those things where you don't know if you're supposed to laugh when you see it. Um, it's kind of like in Spider-Man three when um Spider-Man like clotheslines, um, clotheslines uh, scary. Right? It's like yeah, it's like oh, I got bumped in the head. And it's like oh wait no, this is sad. I need to change my face immediately. Yeah, he like clotheslines him and he's bouncing off walls and boom, boom. and it's like every time I laugh and I'm like, am I supposed to laugh? Because I think he's hurt. Yeah, uh, that happens in real life too. Like, uh, we were me and my friends the other day. We were tubing on the Cumberland River, uh, and we stopped and we climbed up a tree. And one one guy fell onto a rock. At first, I was like, "He's hurt." Oh man, he's like actually hurt. I should cover my smile. No, it's one of those situations. Um, and maybe it was like shocking when we first saw it, but watching it again, it's just like, okay, that was stupid. Uh, let's go with the Age of Ultron award for this was way cooler after seeing the next five movies. Uh, seeing Jasper Sitwell as a good guy. Um, you almost forget when you watch Winter Soldier that he was in this movie because he was a bad guy in that movie and this one he's a good guy. He's the only guy I can think of that started out as a good guy in one movie and then in a different movie was revealed to be a bad guy. In this case, a, a Hydra agent. Can you think of another time that happened? I guess I kind of, I mean, sometimes they turn into bad guys but they were never revealed to be secretly a bad guy. Yeah, not that I can think of in the MCU. Yeah, because there were a couple in Winter Soldier, but they all were introduced in that movie. There's none yeah. introduced in another movie as a good guy. Yeah, I mean, like that politician who ends up being an Hydra agent, but he's kind of an a-hole hey, to start with. The the one guy, the... Crossbones? The little prick hey, guy. The- Oh, yeah, okay, so he wasn't introduced as a good guy necessarily, he was just some senator, so that's fair. He's not a bad guy. What do you got for Age of Ultron um, Award? Yeah, so I put, I mean, Hawkeye, maybe. Um, I think when you first watch this movie, you don't really realize that Hawkeye's going to play a major role in the MCU. Yeah. Um. So at first, you think he's just some low-level agent, especially if you don't really have... Uh, clear understanding of the comics or where you know the mcu is going um so probably the hawkeye or the hawkeye hawkeye Hawkeye. (laughs) sounds better the hawkeye maybe the post credit scene once they kind of like um lined it up with the infinity saga but like you said it doesn't quite fit continuity so yeah not so much i'm gonna stick with hawkeye 
Puck has a good one. I have another uh, question that doesn't need to be answered. Do you think Hawkeye ever makes fun of Thor because he was literally like able to kill him, but he chose not to? Do you think Hawkeye ever makes fun of Thor for that once they're teaming up in buddies? No. I think Hawkeye gives him tons of crap for it. I think constantly. You think so? He's like, dude, you just, you know, you strolled into Wakanda and slaughtered a bunch of, uh, what are they called? The Shatari. You just Shatari. Yeah. floated into Wakanda and wasted all the Shatari. It wouldn't even happen if I just let that arrow fly. He would have been dead in a second. I think he does it all the time. Uh, what okay. do we got left? We've got missed opportunities and what ages? Oh, missed opportunities. There's a lot of missed opportunities, I think, in this movie. Um, there's, Like I said, there's a lot of good things, but there are a lot of things that um, could have made this movie really great. Uh, I think, number one, I think like um, this is a movie where Chris Hemsworth wasn't really himself. Um, later on in the Thor movies, especially after Ragnarok, um, you get to see him kind of like take on his own personality a little more. Um, so I think if they would have let him be him a little more, kind of like what they do with, uh, RDJ, um, I think it would have made, made a better movie. Uh, like a lot of people say, oh, you're not a good actor if you're just playing yourself, but no, you're still a good actor. Yeah, he's got an enjoyable personality. Like he's a great comedic actor. I put that too. Like I know that Hemsworth, he comes from soap operas. So I know like, you know, that's what he was known for and that's what he came into. And Branagh has a way about his movies. I know Thor is meant to be this kind of Shakespearean talks and funky quotes. And even in the comics, there was always like, do you remember that? There's always like the different font for when Thor spoke because he's yeah. showing that this guy's fancy. But he's such a good yeah. comedy actor. It wasn't used at all for several outings. And he was always, it was, the comedy was against him. Like he was doing something funny that he thought was right. He wasn't being funny, you know? Yeah. And this is really, I think, a movie where you start to realize, well, the, you know, MCU producers start to realize that not everything that you do in comics has to translate to the movies mm-hmm. um this is when i think where they yeah they try to make him very much like thor the god of boringness um but dude you've got this like god you've got this like big dude that has like limitless powers like just make him fun um i i i think that i don't know if that's a missed opportunity i put that as a missed opportunity but i always struggle with that because it makes sense too that he spent more times time with humans fell in love with earth and then he just developed more of that personality so i think that makes sense too like after age of ultron like he slowly got a little bit funnier he was funnier in this and had more personality in, in age of ultron than this and then just going from there he just gets more and more of that human specifically that american personality uh, but one long term, this opportunity I put, we don't see any more of the Warriors three or Sif. They seem like they'd be a huge part of the Thor saga, and they'd have their own interesting storylines. But then they just die unceremoniously in a couple movies, except yep. for Sif, who loses a hand, and that's played to be funny. I I agree. Actually, like the the Warriors three, perfect Disney Plus series. Mm, uh, that been a great Disney Plus series. All right, what age is the best? What age is the worst? Uh, let's see. I say. I'm going best wage as well. Um, I said, I like in the moment, it didn't seem, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Like, it seems like it, I I miss the Shakespearean take on Thor. Like I don't want it anymore and I'm glad they changed it, but it's nice to see it again. Uh, gods were 
like they were they were real they were gods they were more than just another alien they spoke classy they gave us cheesy lines uh ragnarok made thor more likable and fit into the mcu mold but this version is still fun to rewatch. but i am glad they changed it but we could still miss it um so what age is the best i had a hard time with this one <laughs> to be honest um this movie doesn't age great for you yeah, it's not it's not even that it doesn't age great. I just think like going back to the missed opportunities, I think like there's so many things that if they were remaking this, they would make differently. Um I think the the putting it set at a small town in the middle of nowhere, I think that ages well. Kind yeah. of like taking away everybody else, like we talked about Iron Man and like why couldn't he be there? um this kind of like solves that problem so um i think that that ages fairly well but i, I never th- thought about that 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 does age really well what ages poorly jake uh, i think the fact that they scientifically all explained all the magic of asgard um even when she says uh, an ancient deity or ancient uh, civilization like the vikings would have worshipped them as deities um, like they, it makes sense that they scientifically explained it because we just weren't ready, I guess, for the massive comic book cosmos. Um, and Iron Man was so science focused, but by later movies, magic is real, and it was one of the the big three threats in Valhalla is a very real afterlife, and there were several other afterlives. So it is a legitimate religion more than a um, uh, just another alien. So it's, it's not necessarily that ages poorly, like they did something wrong, but it just ages it ages out yeah i agree i think that like the whole magic um is technology magic is science that kind of ages pretty poorly once you get dr strange in the mix yeah Um, (laughs) once earth has magic too it's no longer yeah and what also another just what ages poorly is the fact that he's so shocked that or just in disbelief that he's actually a guy from outer space like four years later that's you know just space people in every other corner that's something i talked about and like most of the other movies so far or yeah most of the other rewatches that it, it's just funny going back through these when superheroes are so rare versus now when they're you know yeah doing court cases yeah i agree and that's like i don't know if it's necessarily that it ages poorly but it doesn't really um make a whole lot of sense plot wise when you're like oh there's this like astro anomaly and then there's this dude that's in the middle of it and like you don't think that he's related to it in some way like you don't think that he could be from space so i don't know if that that inherently is ages poorly maybe that's more of a nitpick that's a a little nit but it's a it's a fair nit to pick but now it's time for useless trivia so we said this, but Donald Blake, Jane's ex, uh, he was once the canon alter ego of Thor. He took the hammer, he got Thor's power, and then that was quickly changed. Uh, the closing credits, they came from the Hubble telescope, and it took 18 months to complete. Interesting. Uh, they t- created an entire fake sh- fake town to shoot this movie. It was actually located in New Mexico. They do a lot of films in New Mexico and El Paso in that area. Uh, Sam Raimi, he was going to direct a Fox-backed Thor movie in the 90s, but the studio backed out, and then he made Spider-Man famous. Uh, and then the Norwegian village at the beginning is the same one we see Red Skull invade in Captain America. Those are interesting. Um, I had the uh, the 
town one. I think that's pretty cool. I also was thinking that it's kind of weird that they're in New Mexico and they're all wearing winter clothes, but uh, the town that they filmed in, in is at elevation, so it makes sense. Yeah, it's um, some New Mexico areas. Anthony Hopkins uh, was told to improvise the banishment scene, and uh, when he did that, everybody on set cried. They're like sobbing. That's a pretty good piece. Anthony Hopkins. Now the big question, can you skip it in your MCU rewatch? What do you say? I say no. Um, I think that, you know, like it's hard going back because it's like these are characters that are so established. So like, could you just throw Thor in and know what he is? Um, maybe. Um, I think this sets up a lot of stuff, even though it's not necessarily the most um, entertaining movie. Um, and it's got some good parts, but I think it's definitely not a skippable movie. I agree. I think you need it for the MCU rewatch. It's not absolutely necessary, but skipping it would cause some confusion. Like, you don't know who Thor Loki is when Avengers are, and they don't really have a proper introduction in that movie. Uh, it's also really important for telling us why S.H.I.E.L.D. felt the need to use the Tesseract to build the weapons. Um, so I think, yeah, it's it's not one of the top tier. Like, I got a, a Avengers Endgame. It's coming out in two days. I got to catch up right now. Um, but if you don't want to be confused, you should watch Thor first. Did you call Iron Man 2 skippable? Oh, I said yes, definitely. Iron Man 2 is definitely skippable. Like the entire, everybody you introduce was introduced later. All the relationships could have been assumed. The only thing that we didn't see that we needed to see, um, or that we wouldn't have been able to see if Iron Man 2 didn't exist was Rhodey suiting up in War Machine Armor for the first time, but everything Mm -hmm. else could have been assumed between movies. So yeah, that was definitely a skippable movie. Now, the most important question of the night, where does that rank? We have four levels. Pantheon, awesome, dig it, or skippable? Where'd you put it? I got dig it. I like it. I've seen this movie voluntarily multiple times, so I like it. Um, but it's it's not awesome to me. I think it's just got some weak parts. I think like the beginning's really exciting and fun. Um, the end's pretty inspiring and, and fun. Um when he kind of sacrifices his life uh the middle is kind of meh i think like every movie every marvel movie is enjoyable even incredible hulk was enjoyable but it's still a skippable movie this one's in the dig it section uh it's got stale writing not enough action except like the very start there's a lot of action it's got a illogical conclusion it just doesn't make sense that loki died like they thought he died like just fly down save him uh, but it's fun. Natalie Portman is peaking. She's amazing. And most importantly, it brings an entire new world, a new galaxy, an expanded universe to the MCU. So our final rankings for the first four movies of the MCU are Iron Man, Thor at number two, Iron Man 2, and Incredible Hulk. Thanks for listening. Once again, always feel free to check out my writing at strtfacts.com. It's S-T-A-R-T-E, facts. We'll be back next week for Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, Got a pretty exciting guest. It's going to be Ricky Zeiger. Uh, A lot of you guys on the internet might know him as Ricky Z. He's pretty active in comic book podcasts and Twitter pages, etc. He's got a really unique perspective on all of this because he's way more of the comic side of everything. I say I like comics. I like getting them as presents. I like the history behind them and everything. But when it comes down to like the minutia, the details of comic books, I know very little. He knows everything. So it'll be kind of a cool experience. See you next week. Peace out.